Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You gave your life to Jesus and there have been changes that have been made and I'm not doing this anymore and that's caused a rift between me and some of my older friends and now they're making fun of me and all that stuff. Not your problem. God will defend you. He will defend you. So don't worry about it. Don't think that you got to like fight back. You can stand up for yourself. You do that. That's fine. But there's, there's no sense in like, like trying to get even with somebody. Let God be your defense. He's ready to judge both the living and the dead. Are you feeling overwhelmed, lost in the face of adversity? In today's message, Pastor James talks about how the Lord is our defense. When the world is against you and the odds seem to be stacked against you, God is your rock and refuge. He's the one that'll see you through the storm. He's the one that gives you strength to face each day with courage and hope. So don't be afraid to turn to Him when times get tough. Don't try to face those challenges alone. With God by your side, you can overcome anything. Now here's Pastor James in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. know what my life was like before Christ and the hopelessness that I had. There's no peace. There's just animosity. Animosity is what ruled and controlled my heart. Hatred and bitterness controlled my heart. And I know what it feels like in that moment. That was one of those things, those immediate things that Christ set me free of. The moment I surrendered to him, it was like, boom, they're gone. It was gone. And it's his grace, it's his grace that is such a great motivating factor for you and I to make it through this world, to stay free of returning to the past. And if you're dealing with that temptation, then I would encourage you to go back to the cross. Revisit the cross and that sacrifice that he made on your behalf and that abundance of grace that was on display for you to set you free of whatever that thing is. says, we'll be eager to do the will of God. That's the other thing of like, how do we arm ourselves? Well, you arm yourself with like being like all in for Jesus. That would be number one. The other helpful thing, the second thing that will help you to arm yourself to have the same attitude that he has is to be fixed on his will. Your will be done. Jesus prayed it. You and I should pray it hundreds of times every single day. You roll out of bed. I say this all the time. Roll, get pushed. I don't know how it works for you. When you get out of bed, you say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done today. It's a good place to start. Good place to start. Because I don't know what it is. You, you might can identify with this, but I'll roll out of bed. And my flesh is like, all right, I got it all scheduled today. This is a me day. This is about me today. And I'm like, get behind me, Satan. Like, I don't want that. Like, I know what it's like to have me day. And it's full of sin. Okay. And separation from God. Like, I don't want that. Lord, your will be done. I want to do what you want me to do today. I want to be all in for you today. Holy Spirit, please fill me and empower me to walk through this day, not just to start it, but to finish it. 
and, to, and then to resolve my accounts at the end of the day. Okay, Lord, I got a list of things I need to apologize for. Okay? Well, here we go. Um, that should be like kind of the framework of each and every one of our days. And if you're like, well, I don't have anything to apologize for at the end of the day, you need to take better notes, I think. Um, <clears throat> I, don't know where, I don't know what you're doing. Do you not go around people at all ever? You must not drive because that's, that's like 90% of it for me. It's just driving. I'm like, Lord, I don't know. Um, can you deal with these other people? It, it's just that, that mindset of like today, Lord, let, let today be about you today. And then at the end of the day, okay, here's the deal, Lord. I, I just want to finish well daily. I just want to finish well daily. Yeah, I want to finish the race and all that good stuff. I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant on a daily basis. Like it's cool at the end. That's, that's, hey, amen. that's, that's an amazing thing. I think he's willing to offer that thing to us daily. Because, man, this thing's a struggle. Walking with Jesus is hard. Let's be real. It's hard. It's challenging. Yeah, the Holy Spirit lives inside you. He is of the world. It's still difficult. That doesn't mean it gets easier. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, this is like, life is good. Life is good. Life is good. But it's challenging sometimes. And that's reality. And here's Peter just communicating to these people who are going through difficult times. And he's like, stay focused on him. Accomplish his will. Be eager to do his will. Verse 3, you've had enough in the past of evil things that godless people enjoy. He's like, time's up. Time's up. Grow up. Nellie asked me last night. She's teaching the little kids. Or I don't know how much teaching happens in that little toddler class. She's managing in the infant and toddler class, I think. She asked me, she said, uh, I'm just bringing up a text here if you're wondering why I'm looking at my phone. Don't worry. I still got you. Uh, I want to bring another translation into the mix. She asked me, she's like, what are you teaching on tomorrow? Because I'm not going to be able to be in there. And I said, grow up, right? Not to her, obviously. <laughs> Sin. Grow up. No, then that's, yeah, no. Then we, you need to pray for our marriage then if that's how I responded. No, I said, I just used that phrase just to see what her reaction would be because I like to do that to my wife sometimes. And she's like, really? She's like, come on. Like, what? No, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, kind of, it's that. In, in, in our walks with Christ, like we, each and every one of us have to get to this point where it's like, grow up. Grow up. Grow up. Like, especially in the Western world where we're so spoiled. We're so spoiled. It's gross how spoiled we are on this side of the globe, we, we got everything. You got everything you could possibly want for a good church experience. You got AC running right now. You got heat if we need it. You got comfy, cushy chairs. Now, I'm not dogging this at all, but I am saying like we, we get so comfortable. And then when something happens in our life, we want to walk away from God. Grow up. Like, what are we doing this is nonsense. Like, suffering's a part of the deal. Like, it's not about you. It's not about me. You're a vapor. I'm a vapor. The, who cares? History will never remember our names. So what does it matter? Serve the Lord Jesus. Stay focused on him. Accomplish his will within our lives. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Done with the past. Pressing on into the future. And what he has, laying hold of those things he has laid hold of aside for us is a rough translation or a rough paraphrase of what Paul described. Pressing onward. Like, that's what we have to be about. The, the Tree of Life version, this is the one I was trying to 
slickly get to without causing too much of a distraction for you on my phone here. I like the way that this, this phrases this out. It says, verse three, it says, for the time has passed that was sufficient for you to carry out the desire of the pagans, those who don't know God. You had your fun. You had your time, your fun, quote unquote. Time's up. Time's up. If you said yes to Jesus, there was a, there was a, you had a one birth date, the day you were born physically, and then you had a death date, the day you died and were raised to new life in Jesus Christ. On that day, you said farewell, you said adios to all the junk, to all the garbage, and you began day one of your new life reborn in Christ Jesus, focused on him saying farewell to the past. Paul would say, he's like, I consider it all rubbish. It's like, it's a big pile of dung, is what he phrased that out of. All my accomplishments, all the good things that I did, the good and the bad, I don't think about that anymore. I press on. I press on. And that's where we have to get to. The rest of verse four from the Tree of Life version says, living in indecency, lust, drunken binges, orgies, wild parties, and lawless idolatries, just to name a few. That list is not exclusive or all-inclusive of all the things, right? It's like, there's probably many more things, but that's a really good summary. Kind of covers everything, right? You're like, well, that one's not me, that one's not me, that one, oh, but that probably one. Okay, so yeah, we're just guilty of all of it. He says, New Living Translation says, their immorality, their lust, their feasting and drunkenness, the wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. Done. It's over, guys. It's over. You cannot run back to these things. Those are the garments when you met Jesus in the dressing room, so to speak, that he said, I will take all of those and I'll take them on myself, onto the cross. I will die for all of those sins. So hand those over to me. You can't drink the cup of wrath for these things. Christ says, I'll drink from it for you. Give me your old garments, I'll give you new ones. It's time to be done. And if the suffering gets turned up for us in this nation, we have to be done with these things. We have to. You're not going to make it. You won't make it if you haven't broken free of these things. And again, nobody's talking about perfectionism here. Please understand that. Coming from a perfectionist, which is a terrible curse, nobody's talking about perfection. We're talking about process. We're talking about like fighting through these things, surrendering these things over to him on a daily basis. But you can't, you, you can't be identified with these things anymore, anymore. That crew you used to run with, you might have to break allegiance with them. Peter goes on to say, and that last little bit of that verse, I'm sorry, verse 4, into verse 4, of course, your former friends 
are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. You used to run with this crew. You guys were known for this. Trust me, we've all had our crews. We've all had our ones. Maybe yours wasn't, I don't know, some, maybe some are bad, worse than others. I get it. I understand. Maybe your like, greatest sin you've ever committed was like a candy bar you stole from a convenience store. Okay, look, I'm sure there's been enough time, so you don't have to worry about getting arrested. We're not going to turn you in or anything. And some of you are like, maybe, you know, are like a million times worse than that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, the, the individuals that you formerly identified with, that you used to run with, and get into trouble with and all that good stuff, they should notice a difference and change in you. So when they go and to go do these things and invite you and you say, no, I don't do that anymore. I don't do that anymore. They, they should be surprised. Okay. But here's the thing that you need to be prepared for. It's not the surprise because that should come as no surprise to any of us that you are new, changed, transformed, What you need to be prepared for is what the surprise turns into. So they'll be surprised when you no longer, and I love the New Living Translation for this, that you no longer plunge into the flood. You immerse yourself into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. Tree of Life version says this, they vilify you. All your other translations, ESV and all those will probably say they malign you. And the, the technical definition of malign would be, it has the same root as blaspheme. They blaspheme you. Well, how can they blaspheme you? You're an ambassador of Christ. You represent Christ. So in your decisions to not plunge in headfirst into sin, and then your homies or your friends or whoever is like, what's wrong with you? And then they begin to insult you or blaspheme or malign you or vilify you. They're not speaking against you. They're speaking against God. And that's what Christ said was going to happen. Hey, don't worry. When they persecute you, when they hate you, when they spew these insults at you and all that, they're not doing that towards you. They're doing that to- because of me. That's what you should be prepared for is the backlash you might receive from some of the ones you thought were your closest friends, closer than a brother kind of a thing. They're not going to be able to comprehend the change. Maybe some of those will want what you have, and that's our prayer. But we cannot be so naive to think that everybody is going to respond that way. You probably have family members who look at you and malign you because of your connection and devotion to Christ. They may vilify you. You're the bad guy now. And you don't even have to say anything. There's a story of uh, some golfers that went, there's, I don't remember which president it was, but him and Billy Graham and two professional golfers went and played golf together. And a guy asked one of the pro golfers, how was it? And he's mad. He's angry. And he's throwing his clubs and he's like, I don't need that Billy Graham preaching all that stuff to me. And gave him some time to cool down. He's like, man, was Billy like going after you? Like, what's going on? He's like, didn't, didn't say anything. <laughs> didn't say anything. He didn't have to say anything because he was just so connected to Christ and he's just, 
He was representing Christ, and yeah, he was talking to the guy, but it was just, it was grace. It was grace, and it was an offense to this guy. It was an offense to him. That may be what you're experiencing, and, and, and if that's true, then here's what you need to do. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Pray for those. Pray for those. He, I mean, and this is, I'm not saying this is, fits within the persecution realm, but pray for those who persecute you. Pray for them. You still love those guys, right? If at pre-Christ you, you had a love for them, then you get saved and your life changes, you still love and care about those people, right? Even if they malign you, then you pray for them. You intercede on behalf of them. You ask the Holy Spirit, get them. Just get them. Last little bit of this, verses 5 and 6. It says, but remember, they will have to face God. Right? So if they malign you, if they slander you, if they vilify you, you do not have to fight back. Please don't fight back. It's a bad witness. Okay? Let God be your defense. It says it right here. Remember, they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. Not your fight. Not your problem. You gave your life to Jesus, and there have been changes that have been made, and I'm not doing this anymore, and that's caused a rift between me and some of my older friends, and now they're making fun of me and all that stuff. Not your problem. God will defend you. He will defend you. So don't worry about it. Don't think that you got to, like, fight back. You can stand up for yourself. You do that. That's fine. But there's, there's no sense in, like, like, trying to get even with somebody. Let God be your defense. He's ready to judge both the living and the dead. Verse six, here's, here's where there might be this connection between three and four, the end of chapter three. That is why the good news or the gospel was preached to those who are now dead, right? So that's where you're like, or preach even to the dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the spirit. Two views on this. So maybe he's talking about the dead who were who had placed their faith in a Messiah, a coming Messiah, and they were with, you know, in Abraham's bosom is what we call that. You got Hades, because hell's coming, right? It's not a reality yet, in one sense. I mean, yeah, yes, it is, but you understand what I'm saying. Well, actually, yeah, so read Revelation, really fascinating. Um, I don't have time to get into any of that. At that point in time when Jesus died, what we know from, I think it's Luke chapter 16, there's this what we call Hades. And there's a lot of Jewish belief and a lot of Bible theologians hold fast to this view as well. So you have Abraham with these saints, we'll call them, and then there's the gulf or separation and these ones who rejected the Messiah, never put their faith and trust in the coming Messiah or anything like that, right? Then you got angels, fallen angels from Genesis chapter six, we believe, locked away, all that good stuff. I think those are the spirits he proclaimed victory to, like I beat you guys. Like, it's over, game over. But chapter, or verse six here, it says he proclaimed or shared the gospel not to ones who rejected him, because when you're done, it's done. But there were ones who committed their lives to this coming Messiah, even though they never saw him. So there's one thought most guys would say, this is what that's talking about. He went to those guys in Abraham's bosom where they're all hanging out together, and he set captivity free, again, from, from Ephesians. Proclaim to them, like, I did it, I'm the Messiah, died on the cross, rose again, I'm the one you were waiting for. Let's go. To paradise we go. Okay, thief on the cross died, Jesus told him what? You'll be with me today in paradise. Okay? 
Right. So that's one thought. The other thought is this was the gospel was preached or proclaimed to those who actually physically died because of persecution. So which one's right? I think they both are. I think they both are. Honestly, I see no problem with, with agreeing with both of these. That yes, it probably was that Jesus, when he brought captivity, those who were in Hades waiting for him, who had already passed on, brought them with him from there. I think that that's true here. That's what it's talking about. But I also know that in this day and age, when this letter was being written, there were people who were dying for their faith. Okay? And so I think this is a reference for all of those individuals as well. And uh, I, I think you're safe to, to go with both of those, honestly. The point of it all is this. The gospel was proclaimed and people were set free. And to the ones who place their faith and trust in Jesus, no matter where you're at in this journey, even for the ones who had passed away and all that stuff, like they place their faith and trust in the coming Messiah, they're with him forever. They're with him forever. Suffering will, will come with a price tag. And for Peter's audience, it came with a heavy price tag. And oftentimes that meant death. That meant death. But he's reminding his people, look back at Jesus who did die, but he rose again. But he rose again. It may cost you everything. It may cost you everything. But we have victory in Christ Jesus. Even if it costs you your life, you win. You win. If you're a Christ follower, you win. Suffering's a part of the deal. And, and so with that little portion, Peter's just letting them know. He's letting us know, in this life, you really don't have much to worry about. You really don't have much to worry about. There's going to be plenty of things that come into your life that you will worry about and will want to worry about and all that good stuff. But who you are in Christ Jesus should eliminate a lot of that. Because even if it costs you your life, you're with Jesus. You're with Christ. But if it doesn't cost you your life, then what you and I need to resolve within our hearts and our minds today is, I've decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. Those old garments that he asked me to surrender over to him, that he dropped into that trash can on my behalf and gave me some new garments, like I need to be done with those things. From rags to riches is what it is. What you had before Christ was rags. What you have in Christ is riches beyond anything that this earth can, can give you. So we, we got to be done. We got to be resolute. I'm done. I'm done with the past. I'm done with that stuff. Yeah, I'm going to fall down. Yeah, I'm going to make mistakes and all that good stuff. Fine. Get back up. Let him get you back up. Brush you off. Get into the word. Stay into the word. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. And, and, and say, you, ha- you, you have to do this. You have to be like Daniel in the, in the book of Daniel. You have to purpose in your heart. I will not defile myself with the world's delicacies. You have to do that. Nobody can do it for you. Nobody can do it for you. You have to decide that. And if you need, again, if you need the motivation factor, just look at Jesus. Just look at what he did for you. The price he paid to set you free. It's all you need. It's all the motivation you need. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken.
Don't you find it interesting that some of the most inspiring stories involve the main character suffering and possibly even dying for the sake of the cause? This theme is interwoven into mankind because it's inspired by Jesus himself. He suffered unjustly at the hands of cruel and sinful men, but the story didn't end with suffering and death. Although the final chapter of this life typically ends with suffering and death, the life beyond earthly existence is something that's worth taking risks and even suffering for. Living the Christian life is risky. It involves dying to yourself and being willing to take the heat from those that don't want to hear the message. If you're just tuning into this message and would like a little more backstory to the book of 1 Peter, we encourage you to go to our website, breadforthebroken.com, and take a look at the additional messages. As you browse our website, you'll also find an easy way to donate to this ministry if God leads you to do so. Are you in the Galveston area? If so, come visit us at Calvary Galveston. Once more, you can find out all the details of service times and location at our website, breadforthebroken.com. If you're not in the area, then you can join us on our live stream. We live stream on Facebook. Just search for Calvary Galveston. Here on Bread for the Broken, our mission is to find hope and new life in Jesus. We trust that what you're hearing on this radio ministry is uplifting to your soul, reminding you that your new life starts with Jesus. Leave a marker in your Bible where we've left off and come back again for more here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.